Good morning, everybody. Um, I didn't think you were going to leave me any time this morning, um, but I uh, you know, really, really loved um, hearing from everybody who shared this morning. Uh, so thank you. Um, let me just say before uh, we come to our teaching, because um, I, I sometimes forget to say at the end, but um, any Sunday morning, um, if God is speaking to you, if he is stirring your heart, um, if there are things um, that are going on in your life uh, where you know you just you need a little help, you need a little encouragement, uh, you need some prayer, um, every Sunday morning um, there are a couple of people up by this radiator um, who would love to pray with you. Um, it's always worth saying you don't have to go there for prayer. Um, there are people all around you who would love to pray for you, so you can grab the person beside you and just ask, would you pray? Um, but Sometimes you don't know who to go to, and there's always a couple of people up here. Um, they would love to pray for you uh, before you go home. Uh, you don't even need to be able to put into words to them what you need prayer for. You could just go up and say, I need prayer. And they will listen to God on your behalf um, and pray uh, for whatever's going on uh, with you. So if God's stirring you this morning uh, through any of the things you've heard already or what we're going to think about now, um, and you'd love some prayer, just grab someone before you go. Uh, or come up here. It's warm by the radiator, uh, and you can you can get prayer. Um, let's let's pray now um, as we come to God's word this morning. Um, Father, we thank you so much for all that we've already um, shared in this morning as a church family, and um, we thank you for the privilege of being part of the body of Christ, of being part of your family. Um, we thank you for all who've had the courage to get up here and share uh, this morning uh, for the ways that that has encouraged us and done us good. Um, and Father, I want to pray now as we open up your word. Father, you know uh, what is going on in each of our lives and hearts and you know what we need to hear this morning. And so I want to pray that there wouldn't be a single person here this morning who wouldn't carry something away in their heart uh, that they can store up and ponder like Mary. Um, Father, I want to pray that you would speak to us by your word and by your spirit, uh, that each of us would know that we're being addressed by the living God and we would carry what we hear with us um, and continue to, to think about it as we go. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I want to read uh, this week and next week we're going to be not on a Christmas theme but in a kind of Advent preparing for Christmas kind of theme um, and I want to jump right in and we're going to read from Luke uh, chapter 1 and um, we're going to be thinking about John the Baptist uh, but we're, we're reading a story uh, from before John was born and the story of his parents. Um, so let's read Luke chapter 1 uh, reading from verse 5 says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once 
when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's where we're going to end our, our reading this morning. Um, before I get into kind of what I want to talk about, there, there's a, a personal reason why um, I love this story or why, why it kind of has a place in my affections. Um, eight, 18 years ago, over 18 years ago, when, when our first child, Caleb, uh, was born in Causeway Hospital, um, my grandparents came to visit us in the, the hospital room. Uh, where Caleb had been born, my, my dad's parents. Uh, many of you uh, will know they were among the, the greatest heroes of my life. Um, but we didn't know it at the time, but that, that moment in the hospital uh, would be the only time that any of our kids met uh, those grandparents of mine. Uh, my grandmother died uh, just a, a few months later, and my grandfather six weeks after her. Um, but in that hospital room in Causeway, um, my grandfather uh, prayed, as he, as he often did, a prayer of blessing and thanksgiving uh, over Caleb. Uh, and he quoted these words from Luke chapter 1. Um, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. I should have known this would get me all emotional before I get going here. Um, but um, I've, always, I've always taken those words to be a kind of prophecy. Um, and those words have been very profoundly true for us as a family. Um, so I wanted to share that first, that, that story, Zechariah, um, the angel's words to Zechariah, they have a special place for me. Um, what he said about John, uh, what my grandfather said about Caleb. Um, but what I want to focus on this morning uh, and next week as well um, is a phrase that comes right at the end of what I read. Um, right at the end of the angel's words uh, to Zechariah, um, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Um, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Um, this is obviously a time of year uh, when people are in preparation mode. Um, some people in mad preparation mode for, for Christmas. Um, I don't know how your preparations are going. Um, I don't know, are you someone who starts preparing months beforehand uh, or whether you're just getting into a wee bit of a panic now 
a few weeks out. Um, I don't know if you love this time of preparation for Christmas or you find it really stressful or whether you, there's other reasons why you find this time of year um, difficult. Uh, there's all kinds of different feelings people have uh, about Christmas and about uh, the time leading up to it. But um, these words from the angel, I think, point to a deeper kind of preparation, not just getting ready for Christmas dinner and presents and, and all of that. Um, but it, it, it makes me wonder, what does it mean to be a people prepared for the Lord? What does it mean to be a people prepared for the Lord? Um, in, a, in a couple of weeks' time, here in MCF, we'll be celebrating the message of Christmas um, and the coming of the Lord as a baby in a manger and this child who is Emmanuel, God with us, and this message which is good news of great joy for all people. But I wonder, do you sometimes find that the danger is that we've heard that story so many times that it just sounds like old news, it can sound like very familiar news, even kind of stale news, and it kind of washes over us and washes past us. Um, and so I find myself wondering, how do we prepare our hearts to hear that message with freshness, to hear it with power, to hear it with all the joy that it's meant to carry? Um, one of our Christmas carols uh, has a line that says, let every heart prepare him room. And I guess that's what I'm wondering about this morning is what does it mean for, for our hearts to be prepared for receiving that message with joy and freshness and power? Um, and I want to suggest this morning that the best person to help us if we want to prepare our hearts in our hearts room, uh, if we want to prepare for the Lord, if we want to prepare for receiving that message, um, the best person to help us is John the Baptist. Um, he is the one who makes ready a people prepared for the Lord. And that's the role that he played for the people of Judah, preparing the way for the birth of Jesus um, and the, the, the ministry of Jesus and the life of Jesus. Um, but it's also a role that he can play for us. Um, but I, I also want to uh, say this, and I, I wonder if you agree, um, John the Baptist is not a very Christmassy character. Um, although, although, he's, although he has the beard, like, like uh, probably, uh, like Santa, um, although he is in many ways the central figure of Advent, you actually will almost never find him behind the door of your Advent calendar. You'll find all kinds of other things, but I don't know if you, have you ever found John the Baptist picking out? And there's something there to, to wonder about and be, be curious about. Um, why does he not seem very Christmassy? Um, I think because he's, he's not a very cosy or comfortable character. He is a bit wild and a bit radical and a bit uncompromising and a bit strange, if we're honest. He's out there in the wilderness by the Jordan and he's wearing rough clothes made of camel's hair, and he's eating locusts and wild honey, and he's a bit out there, right? John the Baptist. And as well as all of that, um, his message as John the Baptist begins to preach is all about repentance. 
Um, it talks in chapter 3 of Luke's Gospel uh, about his baptism being a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And if you read on, and I'd encourage you to go and read in chapter 3 later on, um, John the Baptist says all kinds of startling things. He calls the crowd a brood of vipers. He warns them about the wrath that is to come. He warns them that the axe is at the foot of the tree. Um, And he talks about producing fruit in keeping with repentance. And so the strange, wild character in the wilderness and this message of repentance. Um, What does it mean to repent? Um, It means, at at its simplest level, it means to turn around. It means to admit that we've been walking in the wrong direction and that the way we have been living is not right, that we have sinned in word and thought and deed in what we have done and what we've left undone. It means saying an emphatic no to whatever is wrong in our lives and throwing off the sin that so easily entangles. That's all uh, or a little bit of what is involved in repentance. And so maybe you're thinking this morning, it's the first Sunday of December, I was hoping JM would help us feel Christmassy. Um, And you're thinking, what kind of message is that for getting us in the Christmas mood? You're thinking, I'd rather stay at home and listen to Michael Bublé. But maybe here's the question I want to ask. What if Advent, what if Advent is not just about getting in a Christmassy mood, but about preparing our hearts for the Lord? Preparing our hearts to hear and receive the good news of great joy. Then I want to suggest that actually John the Baptist, in all his strangeness, is the messenger we, we need. Um, my, my favourite writer about Advent is a, a woman called Fleming Rutledge. Um, Fleming Rutledge says, Advent is a time for taking a fearless inventory of the dark. What, what does that mean? It means naming the things that are wrong. And she's thinking there about naming the things that are wrong and broken in our world and taking a fearless inventory. That, that's what Advent is for. But that also includes naming the things that are wrong in our own hearts and in our own lives. And maybe that's where it gets more uncomfortable. Um, John the Baptist doesn't just call people to repentance in general. Um, it, can be, it can be relatively easy to make a kind of vague confession, um, to say, I'm a sinner like everybody else. Um, I've sinned uh, a vague general confession a vague general repentance is relatively easy. Um, If you go and read John chapter 3 later and read about John the Baptist's preaching, you discover that John names specific sin in uncomfortable detail. And so as John the Baptist talks to the crowd, he, he speaks about selfishness and greed. And he says things like this, incredibly specific. He says, if you have two shirts, you should share with the one who has none. And those of you with food should do the same. So he's calling out the stockpiling of too much stuff while other people have little. He says, stop doing that. Share what you have with those around you. And then um, I find it even more striking. John the Baptist picks out particular groups in the crowd. And he speaks to them about their characteristic sins. 
So he speaks to the tax collectors and he says to them, don't collect more than you're required to. So he's saying to them, stop cheating, stop swindling people, stop taking more than you should. And he calls them out in front of everybody. And then, perhaps even more courageously, um, because nobody liked the tax collectors, but he then speaks to the soldiers. And I kind of imagine them there in the crowd with their spears. And John the Baptist is not afraid to call them out as well. And he says to the soldiers, don't extort money. Don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And he's calling out characteristic sins for that group of people. Saying you need to stop doing these things. You need to turn around. You need to repent. All of which leads us to this uncomfortable but necessary question. And I think it's an Advent question. Um, If John the Baptist was standing in front of you this morning in his camel hair clothes and with wild honey in his beard and he picked you out of the crowd, what would he say? Not just a vague call to repentance. What specific sins would he name? What are the sins that are characteristic in your job in life? as a teacher, as a factory worker, as a stay-at-home parent, or whatever it is you're doing? Um, What are the sins that are characteristic for you personally? What would John the Baptist call out? Now, maybe some of you are thinking, maybe some of you are unhappy with me um, for making us think about these things when we're we're getting in a Christmassy mood. Um, And maybe one of the things you're thinking um, is, it would be easier to focus on what's wrong out there in the world. And we could take a fearless inventory of what's wrong out there, um, of all that is wrong, all that is broken, all that is sad, all that is evil, right? We could name those things together and maybe we'd we'd rather do that. Um, If I was to ask you who we should blame for all that's wrong in our world, we'd have no difficulty coming up with some names. Um, And I don't know who would be on your list. Um, You might want to blame Boris Johnson or Liz Truss or Donald Trump or the European Union or Sinn Féin or the DUP. Um, Or you may want to use some of the labels that Clive was talking about earlier. We might want to blame left-wingers or right-wingers or liberals or fundamentalists or socialists or... There's all kinds of people we might want to blame. And so that would be quite, quite cosy for us. We could name what's wrong out there and we could make a list of names of who's to blame. Um, I was, recently I was at a wedding and I was um, talking to someone at the wedding that I'd never met before. Um, and within a couple of minutes, I can't really remember how this happened, but within a couple of minutes they started talking about Vladimir Putin. Um, Uh, which wasn't a very wedding kind of theme. Um, But um, we were standing by an open fire that was kind of burning away. And as we were chatting, the fire gave one of those kind of loud pops or cracks that fires often do. And the lady I was talking to said, that's what we need. We need someone to take him out with a bullet. And it kind of stayed with me that moment. Um, It's really, really tempting to think that way that what's wrong with the world is that person or those people. And if we could just take them out of the picture, round them all up, throw them in prison, or take them out with a bullet, 
as our lady said, then the world could return to its natural state of peace and harmony and goodwill, right? It's, it's really tempting to think that way. Um, but is it true? That's a good Advent question to ask. Um, I wanna, we've talked about John the Baptist. I want to introduce you to another um, scary-looking bearded man. Um, this is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, as well as being very difficult to spell, um, was, a, was a Russian writer uh, who was a, an outspoken critic of communism uh, during the, the middle part of the 20th century. Um, he spoke out courageously about what was happening under Stalin. Um, he spent quite a number of years of his life in the Gulag uh, prison labor camps. He eventually lost his Russian citizenship and had to flee to the West, uh, where he continued to write and expose the evils that were going on in his homeland. And so I often think, when I, when I think about him, um, you would expect someone like that to agree that the problem is those people over there. That if only someone would take out Stalin with a bullet, if only the communists could be removed from power, then everything would be okay. But Solzhenitsyn wrote these words, which I, I return to again and again. I think they're some of the, the wisest words um, written in the last hundred years. Uh, and this is what he said. He said, if only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? Well, one of the interesting things about Solzhenitsyn is in his later life in America, when he lectured in places like Harvard, people started to find him less and less comfortable to listen to because they thought they would hear him just denounce communism and the problems that are going on over there in Russia. And instead, he spoke about a problem of the human heart that is in all of us and in every human society. And people started to wonder if they wanted to listen, after all, to this prophetic voice uh, in the wilderness. Um, as long as we all think the problem is other people um, and evil is over there and darkness is out there, there can be no breakthrough to wisdom and to healing. Where does wisdom begin? Where does healing begin? It begins with this realization that the line dividing good and evil cuts through my heart. That the darkness is not just out there, but it's also in me. And I'm in great need of forgiveness and in great need of healing and in great need of grace. Um, if I can quote uh, one of the poets of our, of our age, um, alongside Al Alexander Solzhenitsyn, it's me, <laughs> hi, I'm the problem. It's me. The, old, the older people are all looking at me in great confusion here. Um, but maybe on this point at least, Taylor Swift and Alexander Solzhenitsyn agree. Um, I'm the problem. Um, we need to face the darkness within us and make a fearless inventory or allow the Holy Spirit to come and make a fearless inventory of what's gone wrong inside us. Um, again, before I finish... Um, Maybe you're unhappy with me 
uh, for making you think about these things at the start of December. Um, and maybe, maybe another thing you might be thinking is there's so much bad news in the world right now. Um, you want to be able to come to church and just think happy thoughts, right, and comforting thoughts. Um, and here I am making you think about very uncomfortable things. Uh, but I want to return uh, before we finish to the words uh, I quoted at the beginning. The angel says about John the Baptist, he will be a joy and delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. And so the angel is saying the ministry of John the Baptist will bring joy <laughs> to the world. Uh, which seems kind of a strange thing to say about a man who went around the wilderness calling people a brood of vipers and calling out their sins in really direct ways. Um, but the goal of everything we've been talking about this morning is joy. But the way to joy is through repentance. Um, John the Baptist, in all his uncompromising bluntness, prepares the way for good news of great joy for all people. Why, why is that true? Because sin is always a joy stealer. It's always a joy killer. And sometimes that's really obvious and dramatic and immediate. And sometimes it, it happens in a hidden and slow way and joy drains away over a long time. Uh, but sin always damages and diminishes our lives. Um, all sin is a form of self-harm and a form of community harm, and it's a joy killer and a joy stealer. And so we can say a sentence like this, which sounds really peculiar. God in his kindness calls us to repent. Let me say that sentence again. That God in his kindness calls us to repent. Sometimes we, some of us have this idea that God has a kind of divided personality where we almost end up saying things like, on the one hand, God is love and God is grace and God is kindness and God is compassion. But on the other hand, God is holy and hates sin. As if those two things are um, at extreme opposites. But if we ask the question, why does God hate sin? Why does he send John the Baptist to confront us and to call out sin and to name it and to call us to repent? And there are different answers we could give to that question. It's partly about God's own character and holiness and glory. But we can also say this. He calls us to repent because he loves us. And he desires our joy. And because he wants us to be whole. And he wants us to be fully alive. And he wants us to walk in freedom. And there is no way to joy and wholeness and freedom without repentance. And so... Repentance prepares room in our lives for gospel joy. Repentance prepares the soil of our hearts for the green shoots of new creation and new life. Um, and so I want to encourage you as we finish, um, you don't need to be afraid to find a quiet moment this week. And I want to encourage you to do that. Um, and ask God the Holy Spirit to search your heart and show you where there is sin that needs to be named specifically and confronted and make a fearless inventory of the darkness that's within you so that that sin can be confessed and forgiven
and so that you can then live healed and whole and joyful and free. There's no other way to wholeness and freedom and life. I want to encourage you, you don't need to be afraid to do that uh, this week. If you don't know how to do that by yourself, again, ask someone to, to pray with you, to sit with you, to invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and do that uh, within you. And there'll be people up here who'd love to pray for you. Let, let's pray together. And then we're going we're gonna to sing a song uh, to finish. Father, I want to thank you this morning for John the Baptist. I want to thank you for this strange, peculiar prophet in the wilderness um, who, who says these difficult, uncompromising things. But I want to thank you that you sent John the Baptist to this world because that is the message that we need, because it prepares our hearts for the good news of the gospel because it prepares our hearts for joy and freedom and life in all its fullness. And so I want to pray this morning, would you help us to hear that message? Um, Father, I want to thank you that in your kindness, you call every single one of us to repent. Um, you call us to turn away from the sin that entangles, the sin that damages and diminishes our lives and the lives of those around us, um, the sin that breaks fellowship with you and breaks human community and friendship and causes so much wreckage to our minds and our hearts and our lives. Father, I want to pray, uh, would you help us in this Advent season not to be afraid, um, to invite your spirit to come and search our hearts. Would you show us the things that are um, damaging and diminishing our lives, that need to be named as sin, so that they can be forgiven, so that we can be healed, so that we can be made whole, so there is more room in our life for the joy and freedom uh, that you want to bring. Father, show us that repentance is not something we need to be scared of, but it's the pathway to life. Um, Father, I want to pray in this Advent season, would you make room in our hearts um, for the new life and the joy that you want to give? Um, come, Holy Spirit, do your work in our lives, even when it's uncomfortable. Give us courage to name these things and face these things. Um, and we pray in the name of Jesus, our King and our Saviour. Amen. Amen.